Well, praise the Lord. I want to thank uh, all who have participated in some way this morning in the service. And uh, it's just a great, great thing to see some, uh, uh, I was going to say old friends. I don't mean that like in the old part. I mean on the friends part. I mean uh, friends we haven't seen in a while. And it's great to have you um, be a part of us and worship together. And um, There's a few of you who are here that, that uh, could easily uh, get up here and preach a uh, in my place, we've been blessed with great speakers and, and uh, leaders in, in our church through the years. What a, what a blessing. We're thankful for our children's ministry. Again, nursery is available and threes and fours is available all the way through the morning up until the lunch today. So just want to let you know about that. What a great privilege. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 1 this morning. If you brought a Bible with you, I invite you to go ahead and, and uh, you can... Find that and put your, put your finger in there right now, and, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But we'll also have the uh, text on the screen today. We're talking today about the Lord who is, who was, and who is to come. It was 1942, and the world was on fire. The U.S. had just joined World War II following the devastating attack on Pearl Harbor, and the war effort required everyone's attention. Gasoline rations and a national fuel-saving 35-mile-per-hour speed limit meant you thought twice about driving your car. Sugar rations would follow along with essentials such as shoes and meats and oils and dairy products, even medicines, so that everyone felt the impact of the war, even if you were nowhere near the battle lines. Was Jesus the Lord of Lords, then, and was he the King of Kings? Was God the Almighty Ruler of all? Yes, the world was on fire, but believe it or not, God was still God. And so the courageous folks who planted Bethany Church stepped up to make Christ Jesus known in Fresno. You see, they were already members of a great church in Reedley, just 30 miles away, but the onset of the war made that weekly commute to their church to be with the people they loved and with whom they loved to worship. It made it difficult. And so out of necessity, they formed this new fellowship. The best advance of the gospel of Jesus Christ has always been and continues to be by the planting of new churches. So as you heard already in the years to follow, Bethany Church would be instrumental in starting several other new Churches in Fresno. Looking ahead, I expect that within the next three years we can successfully plant again. Wouldn't that be great? How about give us one more wave? If you're from Bethany, I mean, if you're from Butler, North Fresno, College Community, Mountain View, uh, who am I missing in there? I know I missed one. Give us a wave. Yeah, we praise God that we've been able to be a part of that. Twenty-five years later, in 1967, the world was on fire again, at least in the USA. We were at war, this time with Vietnam, and the protests at home were heating up. The Beatles were at the height of their popularity. Martin Luther King Jr. was crying out for justice, and the so-called Summer of Love in San Francisco was part of a much broader humanist social revolution. Had God left America, even as the gospel message was pushed to the edges, or was Jesus still the King of Kings and still the Lord of Lords? Fast forward 25 more years. It's 1992. Great year. I married my wife Becky that year. So 
several others in the couples in this room, you married that year as well. George Bush, H.W., was the 41st president of the United States. And in sports, Christy Yamaguchi, remember her, one of America's sweetheart athletes, she won figure skating gold at the Winter Olympics in Albertville, France. And a very young 16-year-old Tiger Woods was the youngest ever PGA competitor. What a time. McDonald's opened its first restaurant in the People's Republic of China. Seemed like a pretty good time in America, having come through Desert Storm victorious and feeling confident in ourselves. And while increasingly ignored in daily American life, God was still God. Jesus was still the King of Kings, and the church was still called to make Jesus known from here to the world. And now, 2017, the world may not be on fire, but doesn't it feel like some left the burner on the stove and the kitchen's heating up? It's a little tense. We ask the question yet again, is Jesus still the Lord of all? Is God still the almighty creator and ruler of the universe? The answer, of course, is yes. Yes, he is. That hasn't changed. And so if Jesus is king of kings, and if, if we, Bethany Church, are the body of Christ in this particular location in the world, if we're here on a mission to make more followers of Jesus, what does that mean for us today and tomorrow and the years to come? Here's what it means, as you've already heard. It means we stay on mission means we need to plant more churches while in this place creating an atmosphere here where we feel good about inviting our friends and neighbors to follow Jesus together with us from this place. This year and beyond, we'll keep investing to update these facilities and to update our culture and to update our approaches to ministry. Why? For the sake of the gospel. So that more people can hear the good news of Jesus Christ. In every era, in every season of time, Right? There have been people of fear and people of faith. People of fear and people of faith. Those plagued by fear assume the worst. And they live cautiously, never taking risks, never making changes, never taking, you know, stepping out. While those powered by faith, they see the tough times as an opportunity, what? To make God's greatness known. It's an unsafe world today, obviously, but you and I are called to go into that very world and to go there boldly with the good news. Now, I want you to jump back even further with me in time. Imagine back to the first century A.D., and there's a man named John, John the Apostle. John was, was one of the closest followers of Jesus, and he was the only disciple at the foot of the cross as Jesus breathed his last. John proclaimed himself the disciple whom Jesus loved, not because he was arrogant, not because Jesus loved him more than the other disciples. John could say that because he had grasped that he was loved by the Master and he loved the light in that. He says, man, who am I? I'm just a disciple that Jesus loves. That's who I am. And John had seen those closest to him, including his brother James and including his best friend Peter. He'd seen them executed because of their bold witness for Christ. In those early days of the church, John himself had been banished to a remote island in one of the waves of Christian persecution in the Roman Empire at the time. And certainly the world was on fire. The world was on fire. The wild and debauched Roman emperors of that day, they wanted to eradicate this new cult. They claimed, they claimed that a man had risen from the dead and that this man was actually the son of God. They wanted to wipe that out. 
And many in the Jewish religious establishment of the day were equally upset, while those who worshipped pagan deities were, were no less threatened by the message of the risen and living Jesus Christ of Nazareth. What a time. And in that tense, heated, pressured, dangerous, terrifying time, the church mushroomed and grew. And our beloved Apostle John was permitted a grand and glorious vision of things to come, which he wrote down and he preserved for us in a book in the Bible that we call Revelation. Remember the Bible is not a book. The Bible is a library of books. And the last, the last book in that library is John's vista of what was to come. And we're going to read the introduction to that in Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. As I said, we'll have that on screen. But I'm going to invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word, as is our habit here at Bethany Church. John writes this. This letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. That would be modern-day Turkey, that region of the world. Grace and peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. From the sevenfold spirit before his throne, and from Jesus Christ. He is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead and the ruler of all the kings of the world. All glory to Him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding His blood for us. He has made us a kingdom of priests for His God, for God His Father. All glory and power to Him forever and ever. Amen. Now look. He comes with the clouds of heaven, and everyone will see Him, even those who pierced Him. And all the nations of the world will mourn for Him. Yes, Amen. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the One who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. We thank the Lord for His Word. Let's be seated together. Here's the good news. All praise and all glory still belongs to Jesus. That has not changed. And Jesus, the same Jesus who, who discipled and sent out His followers, those closest to Him, who sent them out to make disciples of all nations, is the same Jesus who sent us out and the same Jesus that we follow today. He's the same Lord who sent out those Reedley Church members 75 years ago to begin a new church right here in Fresno. And God who is, and God who was, and God who is still to come is sending you and sending me today to make the good news known about God's grace. We, we're in a tremendous time in our, Fres in our city of Fresno. This particular spring is exciting. We've got a great event that's gathering many churches together. It's called City Fest. I would love for you to be a part of that. In fact, today I've even got a, a special promotion over on the side wall over there. There's a bunch of yard signs that we've been given by City Fest. You can take home and put, on the, put, in, the, put in your front yard. And as it crosses the city in the next month, you're going to see these popping up all over the place. Why? Because we want to make Christ Jesus known. And we're inviting people to a place where they can easily and clearly hear the good news of, God, of the gospel from a great and anointed communicator like Luis Palau. 
Friends, a celebration like today is tremendous, right? As we reflect on all that God's done, it's been fun hearing things from, from uh, you know, just kind of evoke all this, these great memories and experiences of the past, and we love it, and, and, you know, it's just, it's meaningful, and it's fun, and it's exciting, and it's stirring, and it causes us to bring praise to God. It's tremendous to do this as we reflect on what God's done, all the relationships we've enjoyed. It's a good thing to celebrate, and we do it to the glory of God. But if we only look back, if we're only gazing in the rearview mirror, so to speak, right, enjoying the view, maybe preening ourselves a little bit, making sure those of you who have hair, (laughs) if we only look back in that rearview mirror, we may miss the great big windshield right in front of us. The road ahead with all the good things that God has prepared for us to do. Ephesians 2 says, you are God's masterpiece created anew in Christ Jesus, what? To do the things, the good works that he's prepared for you to do. He has lined up some stuff that's specifically you. He knows you and says, oh, this person would be good at that. So I'm going to prepare that. This person would be good at that. I'm going to prepare that. That's how much he loves you. That's the father who loves you. And as I look ahead, I do believe that the, God, that the Lord God is calling us to rise up, not with fear, but full of faith, empowered by God's grace and truth, uh, you know, the truth of the gospel, to worship the God who is, who was, and who is yet to come, and to be fully alive by making Christ Jesus known from this community to the whole world. The year 2042 sounds like a long time away, doesn't it? Doesn't it sound like the Jetsons should be there? I mean, that's like, like, woo, that's, we need a time traveler to get there. We'll never get there. That's only 25 years away. Now, if you're 12, yes, that's a long time away. But if you're 50, you remember being 25 and you still feel 25. And so I'm telling you, 2042 is coming really quick. It's coming very, very fast. And, and the only way there will be a Bethany church 25 years from now, or 50 years from now, or 75 years from now, is if we will love our neighbors as we love ourselves. We're not, I mean, we're the church. We are the church, and we are on a mission. Not here for our comfort, or not here for our social life. We are here to make disciples. That's followers of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I want you to imagine the church like this. Imagine that, that every week, every Sunday, faithfully, your family goes to your mom's house or your grandma's house. Let's call it grandma's house. And every Sunday you go to grandma's house for lunch. And she makes roast chicken and mashed potatoes and, and green beans that you try not to eat because you don't really like green beans. And a roll on the side and a little bit of dessert. When I was a kid, it was roast chicken and a, something in a dish called babat. I don't know what, I don't feel I'm saying that right, but that's what it was. It was like chicken stuffing, but made in a pan, it had raisins in it, and she always overcooked it. It was kind of burnt on top, and man, was it good. <laughs> Do we have any of that in the new church cookbook? We have a, we have a 75th anniversary cookbook today. You gotta buy one of those. And we got t-shirts, and we got mugs. Man, you, I hope you came to like buy some swag today, cause it's, it's all out there today. It's exciting. Right? Do we have that in the cookbook, anybody? Man. All right, my grandma's been gone for many years, so I think that is long gone. But imagine that that's your routine every Sunday, your grandma's house, and you just love it. And you tell the same stories, and you laugh at the same jokes, and you sit in the same spot every week, and it's great. And even though your kids have all grown up, everything, that routine stays the same. Until one, one Sunday you show up, and grandma invited somebody else. 
Because grandma was talking to her, her widowed neighbor and realized her widowed neighbor was very lonely and didn't have anyone. And so she said, I, I invited my neighbor Susie to have dinner with us. And you're okay with it, but you carry on. You tell the stories and you laugh at the same jokes and you sit and mostly in the same places and you make a little room for Susie at the table and it's fine. But grandma discovered it was really fun to share her gifts with someone else. And next week you come back and grandma invited a couple more people to the table. And now you're not quite so sure what's happening because this was our family dinner, grandma. And grandma's excited. And you have to make a little extra space at the table and someone doesn't get to sit, sit in their favorite spot and you didn't get quite as much dessert as you did last week. You're not so sure about this. A few weeks go by and, and you realize Grandma keeps inviting people to our family dinner. And not only that, Grandma's learning to make new stuff. Grandma doesn't just make roast chicken, mashed potatoes and green beans and a little bit of dessert with a roll on the side. Grandma learns to make, I don't know, chicken quesadillas <laughs> and, and lumpia and, uh, and, and orange chicken Right? And sweet and sour pork. And you're going, what's happened to Grandma? And Grandma's fully alive. Why? Because she's inviting people to the table. And you've lost your spot. Now you have to sit at two tables. And you can't tell the same stories. And you can't laugh at the same jokes. Because there's new people that you need to include at the table. And a few of the family members are a little upset and not very happy about what Grandma's done to the family. And Grandma's thrilled because the family has grown and expanded to much more than what it's always been. Friends, that's the church. That's the picture of the church that, that we're meant to be. Making more room at the table. The message doesn't change. The ingredients don't change. But we find increasingly tasty ways to present it, to, to make it palatable, make it understandable, make it digestible for people that can understand. Oh, that's what the good news is. That's what we're called to be and to do. Friends, that's the church. That's, what we, that's the church of the future as we look forward. So, based on this passage in Revelation, I have three short challenges for us to be a church that takes hold of the future for the glory of God and for the building up of His kingdom. So, if you're following in your insert and in your program today, you, you can fill in the blanks with me. They'll be on the screen. But starting in verse Four, I would say this. The first thing is you must receive God's grace. If we're going to move with God into the future, you've got to receive God's grace. John writes, Grace and peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, and from the Spirit and from Christ Jesus. Listen, friends, grace and peace to you. Grace is not a doctrine. Grace is not a theology. Grace is a gift of God that saves you in the person of Jesus Christ. And grace makes your daily life in Christ possible. You can't do it. You can only follow Jesus by the grace of God on a day-to-day, minute-by-minute way of, of going about it. Directly from the Holy Trinity of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Look, we can sing all we want about amazing grace, and we can talk about grace, but I, my challenge to you, my question is, have you received God's grace? God's amazing, transforming, life-giving grace. Have you received God's grace? John says, grace and peace to you from God the Father, from the Spirit, and from Jesus. To receive grace, you've got to be willing to say, I'm a sinner, 
But then repent of that and really let God forgive you. Jesus did all the work on the cross. Have you received the grace and peace of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? Some of us need to let go of, of what I call try harder Christianity. You know, religion of trying to please God and, and please people with just good behavior. Look, you can't ever be good enough for God. You can never be good enough. But by your faith in Christ, God does more than that. He doesn't make you good enough. He makes you holy. He puts you in right standing with His Father. He exchanges His perfect life for your broken life. That's the message of the Gospel. It's an exchange. And you can trust that. And it should give you joy. Because it's grace and peace to you. And if you're going to step boldly forward, you and I, we've got to receive grace. Because only God's grace is going to enable us to move, move to, to really love and invite people to the table. They don't know them yet. So, receive God's grace and peace. The second challenge to you as we move forward is to be a kingdom of priests to serve the world. A kingdom of priests to serve the world. Verse 6, John says, He has made us a kingdom of priests for God His Father. Look, that's not for super Christians. That's for me and that's for you. Ordinary, non-super Christians. Right? What did the Jewish priests do? The Jewish priests had the role of representing God to the people... And representing the people to God. They were the intercessors, the in-betweeners, the go-betweens for the people. Now, your, your, uh, you, you know, that, that means you and I, we, if we're going to be in that same fashion, right, and embrace our God-given role as priests for the world, that, that means we have to see our daily life differently. That, that when you encounter your neighbor or your coworker or your spouse or your classmates, when you need to think about, I am the presence of Christ to this person. I am the presence of Jesus. Jesus in me is, the, is present for these people. I'm the priest. Your primary ministry is your daily life of being Jesus to those you meet. What you do here at church is great. We need Sunday school teachers and ushers and nursery workers, all those things. But your primary ministry is being Jesus every day to the people you encounter. Did Jesus, and how will you do that? Well, think how Jesus did this. Did Jesus condemn those who were struggling, for example, in their sin? No. He loved them, challenged them to repent, invited them, but he did not condemn them. How about you? And how about me? Can we see ourselves as God's priesthood for the world? Not qualified by our own morality. I have to remind myself every day that, that I'm as in desperate need of grace as the, as the next guy every, every single day. But you know what the difference is? I know where to get that grace. And making that known is what makes uh, us priests. That's what it means to be a priest for God's people. I mean, for the world. From God's people to the world. My, my, so we, we need to embrace that priesthood to serve the world. And the third challenge, I would say, is this. Is to get yourself ready and to get others ready for Jesus' return. John the Revelator wrote this. He said, look, he comes. He comes with the clouds of heaven and everyone will see him, even those who pierced him. That day, friends, is coming very soon. And you and I first need to be ready to meet Jesus and then second, help others get ready to meet Jesus. By others, I mean the people beyond the friends who are already here at this church. We are conduits of God's grace to, those, to them. In the last few years here, Bethany, it's been fun. We've been rekindling our passion 
to reach our communities with the good news of God's grace. And over the years, we've been pretty good at discipling you know, one another and discipling our, our own kids. But we want to do more than that. We, we know that if our neighbors and our friends and our family members fail to find their way into the grace and truth of Jesus Christ and follow him, that they will suffer eternal torment and eternal separation from God. And friends, we're not okay with that. We're not going to be okay with that. If you know Jesus personally, it's because someone invited you. Someone invited you. Probably a family member, perhaps a friend. But churches grow when you and I, God's people, when we reach beyond the family table. These days I've been praying two things. Lord, remind me how desperately you love the unsaved people around me. And grant me the courage to share that good news. The kind of things that Tad was talking about a few moments ago. We know this world's in rough shape. It needs good news. Right? It always has. It has nothing's changed. We need to receive God's grace and His peace. We need to embrace our priesthood role. And we need to get ourselves and others ready for the return of Jesus. What do I see in the next 75 years? I see a church fully alive. International, intergenerational, glorifying God through maturity, through unity, through multiplication. This tree that Tad referred to a few minutes ago, you know, this is new for our stage. We've only had this here a few weeks. And we've been talking a lot about this. And I, and I love it because, as Tad says, those roots represent the maturity of, of connecting deeply with God, being firmly convinced of the truth of God's Word, and, and knowing Jesus personally in a... Not in an informational way, but in a transformational way. That's our roots going down deep. And we've talked about the trunk of the tree being the strength of our unity together. Committed to one another. Loving one another so strong enough that you can tie your daily life to that. And, and, and we've talked about the branches being the beauty of multiplication. Reaching out as a blessing to our community. A, a, a beautiful tree provides shade and provides fruit. And that's what we want to be as we, as we love God. As we love one another, as we love our neighbor, and even love our enemies. That's what we're called to be. That picture right there. What about you? What's your part? In some way, you've been blessed or impacted by the ministry of Bethany Church, and and that's great. But what part is God leading you to in the years to come? I'm going to invite the worship team to come. We're going to sing one more song. After that song, we'll give you some direction on how to prepare for the lunch. I hope you'll save. There's lots of food and it's not mashed potatoes and roast chicken. I think it's, it's tri-tip and whatever else goes with that. We want you to be at this table today in celebration. But I also want to challenge us to say, what does it mean to be a church that's going to open up that table for others? And to invite them to be a part of it. What's God leading you to do? Whether you're part of this church, or whether you're visiting today and you're part of another church, and you, you take back to your own church a passion to say, we, we're going to follow Jesus into the future. We're not going to focus on the rearview mirror. Occasional glance up in that rearview mirror is essential. But what we're looking through is the big old windshield right in front of us. Moving forward. If you don't know Jesus personally, it starts with this. To say, Jesus... I want to give my life to you. I acknowledge that I'm, I'm sinful. 
I'm separated from you, but I trust in Jesus Christ to forgive me and make me new. And I choose now to follow you all my days. In a moment, I'll lead you, if you want to, I'll lead you in a prayer just like that. Today can be the day that you are born as a believer in Jesus. That you could begin your life as a Christ follower. Then for the rest of us, it's a matter of saying, God, what's, will you develop in me more, more of a heart for your mission? Will you develop in me a greater passion to see people who don't know you come to know you? To make disciples of all nations. I would encourage and challenge you even today to, to even be praying by name for people that you know in your life who don't know Jesus. And if you don't know any people who don't know Jesus, so that you would ask God to give you some relationships so you can be good news into their lives. Will you please bow with me as we pray? God, we're grateful that you've given us a long time together. Lord, we thank you that in many ways you have blessed our communities and you've blessed other places. Lord, we've, you've raised up generous people here at this church and we've been able to bless people around the world. Lord, that's, that is so humbling to get to be a part of that. How awesome that you would do that. Lord, we've got friends that are, that are spread across this globe who are serving you, who in some way were, were impacted and, and drawn to you here in this place. We thank you for that. God, I ask that you would give us a deeper passion for your mission. To not be content to just have the same people at the table every week, but to have a passion and a desire to set out more plates and to pull more chairs up to the table and, and to make more tables if necessary so that more people can hear about you. The church's heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I just want to challenge you in this moment. You may have gone to church all your days. Or maybe today is your first day, but my challenge is the same. Do you know Jesus personally? Have you trusted Him for salvation? Have you received the grace and peace of Jesus Christ in your life? If not, it's really easy. You could pray this with me and start your walk with Jesus today. You would just pray like this. Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner, but I believe that you've forgiven all my sin. And you're making me a new person. I turn to you now as the leader of my life. And I choose to follow you. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit so I can walk with you. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer today, would you please let someone know? You can mention it on a connection card. You can talk to the person you came with. You can let me know. We'd love to help you. Get that walk going on a day-to-day basis with Jesus.